Welcome to You Effect, your resource for stories of passion and wisdom from your favorite celebrities and industry leaders, committed to bring you entertainment with an inspiring twist. Hi everyone, this is your host Kelly Lavelle. In this episode, we have the inspirational Frances Hesselbein joining us. I had the distinct pleasure of visiting Frances in her office in New York City, and it was quite the experience. Walking in from floor to ceiling, all of the four walls are covered in awards, honorary degrees. This woman has built an incredible career, is nearing 100 years old, and still works a nine to five job in her office across the street from the Wardoff Hotel. By far the most vivacious woman I have ever met. She's so passionate about giving back and helping others. Her entire career has been based on enabling and empowering volunteers. I previously met Frances through the leadership program, the Global Hesselbein Leadership Academy. This is a program where she selects the top 50 student leaders from around the world and brings them to the University of Pennsylvania for an intensive three-day boot camp. During this boot camp, she brings mentors from all walks of life across the United States. And it was an incredible experience, but more importantly, she instills in all of us her mentality is to serve is to live and if anything kind of gives you the secret into the fountain of youth and longevity it should be in creating a career based on helping and enabling others i could go on and on with the wisdom that she has to share but she says it's so much better herself so without further ado let's hear what she had to say you effect is pleased to have the incredible humanitarian and global leader, Frances Hesselbein, with us today. 21 honorary degrees. 23 23 now. honorary degrees. <laughs> 28 books. 29 books. It's incredible how, how you're, the impact that you're having, you're certainly leaving a ripple effect in our world uh, in more ways than one. And I want to start a little bit on on how you began your journey because uh, I struggle with this for quite some time myself as you don't consciously decide that your career is going to be a global leader. It, it's a very different path wow. than most people. So maybe you want to explain to our viewers how you started off. A long time ago, I learned that leadership is not a destination. Leadership is a journey and along the way we find fellow travelers just as you and I have found each other. And so I began my leadership journey in the mountains of western Pennsylvania in a little steel town, Bethlehem Steel and Coal Mines, Johnstown, Pennsylvania. And in the basement of the Second Presbyterian Church this woman came and told me about 30 little girls, 10 years old, were in the basement of the Second Presbyterian Church. It was their Girl Scout troop and they lost their leader and they were going to have to disband. And would I please be the new leader? Well, I explained I knew nothing about little girls. I was the mother of a little eight-year-old boy, but I would take them for six weeks until we found a real leader. 
and we stayed together for 10 years until they uh, all graduated from high school and um, it was the beginning of my leadership journey and I learned more from that little group of 30 10 year olds as we all grew together. Then I found myself the chairman of the Girl Scout Council in that um, Johnstown, Pennsylvania, and pretty soon I was in New York as a member of the National Board, and I did a lot of training, and I served on some world committees and went abroad a couple times a year, and it was a great adventure, and I knew I would always be a volunteer forever. Then one day, three gentlemen called on me in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Two were bank presidents, and um, one was the president of a large corporation. And they said, um, we have found a new CEO of the Girl Scout Council here. The job had been empty, and I said, oh, I am so happy. Who is this? And they said, you. <laughs> I said, well, I'm sorry. I am a volunteer. I would never take a professional job. Not ever. I am a volunteer. And they said very sweetly, well, that's too bad. If you don't take the job, the Girl Scouts will probably go out of business. So I said, well, I'll take them for six weeks. And so we found a real leader, and pretty soon I was in New York and on World Committees. And then one day I found myself the CEO of Girl Scouts of the USA, and I was the first person in that job ever to come from within the organization. And I was there 13 years, and I never had, that's 5,000 days, I never had one bad day. A few tough ones, but um, we, more than tripled racial ethnic representation throughout the old handbooks and brought in great authors. Handbooks were heavy on, in those days, heavy on math, science, technology. <laughs> so it was simply a wonderful adventure. Mm -hmm. And when I left the Girl Scouts, and I chose very carefully you always go at the height of your career. And I promised double day I would write a book on leadership, but I wasn't going to travel all the time. And the next week I found myself the uh, CEO of something called the Peter Drucker Foundation. <laughs> I had always, of course, been, uh, I had always 
been a great fan isn't big enough. He was, in, in my mind, the greatest management authority. Well-respected expert in, in leadership and management. Oh, the, and the world's best. I really love your story because two things. One is our leadership journey is very much not necessarily a conscious choice, but something yeah. that organically builds over time that we find ourselves in. And we might not uh, anticipate that. You keep on saying in your story, oh, I'll wait until you find a real leader. But, yeah, I, but, we'll find a real leader. And, yes. yeah, and in a lot of ways, but in a lot of ways, you were the leader all of the, mm -hmm. long, and so a lot of the times we don't necessarily consciously realize yes. the leadership. But more importantly, your journey started and still is today, have been built on the foundation of serving others in volunteerism. Well, and you talked about work, and you asked me about my work here. She worked. I love, I don't know who said this, but work is love made visible. Work is love made visible. And I love that, yeah. And work, we are the recipients of the most generous gift. Here we are, 320 Park Avenue, 25 years we have never paid rent. This marvelous corporation gives us our offices. Now, this is a beautiful example of corporate social responsibility. It also gives an example, though, of when you build your work and your foundation mm -hmm. on something of passion and pure intent, mm -hmm. that you will attract the support and resources you need to make your visions possible. I think, I think you, are, you are so right. Earlier we were talking about how things happen. I like the word providence. I think providence has a plan for us. And when something happens and we can't imagine, how could this have happened? You know, I didn't really cry or do or something. It was providence at work. So I like to say, well, it was providential. I like that. And it's really inspiring of your, of your story because you really created your own future. You have over over 23 honorary degrees. You weren't trained to become the CEO of the Girl Guides or anything like that. You wrote your own path. And in doing so, you have some incredible honors. You're wearing the beautiful Presidential Medal of Freedom, which for our viewers is the highest um, civilian honor in the United States. Yes. And I could go on with a slew of other amazing accomplishments. Your entire office is filled from wall to wall <laughs> in medals and wow. in letters of recognition and certificates and, and all based on the ripple effect that you have had by, by serving others. You've, rather than when you've climbed up the ladder, you've climbed up the ladder by helping others up with you. And I think that's probably the most admirable quality mm -hmm. to have. I like, I like your word ladder. I use door and you know, when you open the door for others, then doors open for you. And you go through one door, close that one, open another one. And it is amazing 
uh, when you believe that all of this is part of a plan and it's providential. So you don't worry about, well, should I go there or should I do that? Of course, you do it. You move forward and uh, always knowing to serve is to live. Do you have any advice for young people who aren't necessarily sure what way they need to go quite yet in life or, or, or trying to develop their leadership? How do they find their way or how do they mm -hmm. find that courage to open those doors? I think I have enormous hope for our country. And I talk about bright future and people will say, what? Because they're so used to hearing negative stuff. But this generation right now, some people call them the millennials, but the 18 to 28 right now, there are scientific studies that show this generation is more like the 1930s and 1940s, and we call them the greatest generation. So all I see is bright future because of the current generation. They are moving forward. What do you think the power that the that young leaders have? I think a lot of the times sometimes we underestimate the power we can have as, as young people, but I think your energy and your eagerness to serve. I spend a lot of time with uh, people, young people, young men and women and students and cadets and um, young professional people. And it is never all about them. It is amazing how almost everyone tells me about the volunteer work they are doing in addition to the very successful professional work they are doing. And this is very inspiring. I truly believe that, that volunteerism can play a very important role in our professional growth. Oh, yes. I, a lot of the times, sometimes we can struggle with well, what is the what is the value in volunteerism for me? Mm -hmm. I'm giving back. I'm making a difference. But yeah. how? What is the personal value? And if you look at even your story, and I have a similar story where my leadership and all the work that I've done has been built on the volunteer work that I've that I've done because I've gained the leadership and the skills yeah. and the experience to grow yeah. my resumes and things that I wouldn't be able to do in the regular corporate world. So. What are your thoughts on the power of volunteerism in, in shaping your professional career, or how does uh, how is that role taken to place now in the corporate world? I think more and more corporations not only are encouraging their people to volunteer, but they are giving them the time. For example, the corporation that gives us our wonderful offices and has for 25 years, 97% um, of their staff volunteer and they're given the time to do it. Because this corporation, like 
many other corporations in our country believe the community is their responsibility. So for young professionals who are working to develop their career or maybe differentiate themselves, a really great way to do that is actually to volunteer because it will actually be respected and almost yes. acknowledged by the corporations mm -hmm. that they're applying for jobs for. Yes, and uh, boards need uh, some people of this generation right now. We need not just the experienced CEOs and so forth, but young professionals on a job uh, can move on to boards of directors of both nonprofits and for-profits and make an amazing contribution. It brings a balance. Our voice is very powerful in our youth. We don't, yes. we don't need to wait until we're older for our voice to be heard because Never the essence right of the creativity is in the youth, mm -hmm. I believe. Yes. Now, in your, in your career, have you had a memorable moment where, looking back, it was a hardship or something that you really thought was an insurmountable obstacle that, now looking back, was probably one, one, a, good, a good lesson that you've learned? You, this is a very difficult question because <laughs> I'm trying to look at all I see is remarkable opportunities. I have always said when people say, you know, what was your greatest challenge? Well, I have found in my work challenges are opportunities. So I never use the words challenge. I say this is a remarkable opportunity to make a difference. All I can think of is very positive. I think sometimes when we're in the moment and we, we, we feel sometimes that obstacles are bigger than they seem. And a lot of the times those obstacles are what we actually grow the most from. The greatest lesson you've learned in the mentality shift, I think, is really what we can learn from that. And I, I have a similar view that the more you're told that something can't be done, the, the stronger I see it type of thing. And yes. I think it's very similar. The, the, the larger the challenge, the more motivated you are to, to just take that on because it, it is going to be a greater opportunity. Yes, and, uh, and the, more, the more we move beyond the old walls, and the more we serve and serve with, uh, the brighter the future, but also the richer our lives become. And when, um, when we do not see, oh my, what a great challenge, but oh, what a remarkable opportunity to make a difference, uh, makes a difference in your work and in your life and um, we had the great good fortune of working directly with Peter Drucker. This was his institute and one week after I left my Girl Scout job thinking I wasn't going to travel so much and uh, <laughs> I was going to write and uh, 
first thing I knew, I was seven days later, I was the new president of the Peter Drucker. And you've traveled Foundation. to over 60 countries representing. 68. 68 countries that you've traveled to. So, so much for not traveling. <laughs> yes. And uh, one of the, I had five million miles on American Airlines alone in all my travel. But now we've discovered the global webinar, and the other day, 40 countries, 400 leaders. And so we can travel all over the world and well that is one thing that's really great about um today's advancements is yes. the fact that we can essentially start a project mm -hmm. um act on a vision within the context of our office or our bedroom yes. or our home because we have all the tools available to us so how does that change the leadership dynamic well it gives you more opportunity if you're open to unusual change. The other day, no, you have a cell phone. AC, zero, young men in Hong Kong and China had just received their MBA degrees. And they designed a program they called Leadership by Cell Phone. Now they are in Hong Kong and three cities in China holding their little cell phone. I'm here holding my little cell phone. And Henry Cho, who was coordinating, was in Hong Kong holding his. They sent me 15 questions. And Henry would say, Mrs. Hesselbein, and he would read the question, and I would answer in my little cell phone, and they, it worked perfectly. And then many times they would ask me after I answered it, would you add something further? It was so circular, and I had to smile. 80 MBA students holding a cell phone. And there we were in three parts of the world, having the most marvelous dialogue. I love that. Sometimes we always think of technology as distancing us from our ability yeah. to communicate, but you can certainly, if you really embrace it, you can actually use it to harness your ideas and bring you closer to a more global. It was incredible to have the international perspectives. I think even when you are looking at issues, let's say you're passionate about education, the perspective and the value of something of education from a North American lens to an mm -hmm. African lens yeah. to a European lens is completely different. There are some commonalities, but their approach and their solutions mm -hmm. are very different. And if you're able to collaborate, you can get mm -hmm. such a more holistic view and almost fill in those missing puzzle pieces. Yeah. It's like having a complete puzzle, but just that one piece that you can't find, and it's just waiting for you over in China <laughs> and, or something like that. And you've been part of that global experience mm -hmm. where 25 students from universities all over the world, 25 all over our country. But what is so amazing is how they stay connected and what they do in their own countries 
The other day I looked up and here were three handsome young men walking in my door. And I said, oh, hello. And they said, we are Hesselbein Fellows. We've just come from Pittsburgh and we are going back home to Algeria, Albania, and one other Middle Eastern country. And we came early. We wanted to see you before we went back home. And they were talking about going back to Albania and Algeria as though we were talking about going over to New Jersey. <laughs> and they said, oh, we, we just wanted to tell you how important this experience has been when we have been with students from all over the world and all over your country. Before they left, one of the young men knelt down and touched my big toe with his finger and then he said, I hope I have not offended you. And I said, no, not at all. He said, in my country, that's the greatest mark of respect and I wanted to pay my respect to you. Now I thought that was so beautiful. They took the time to come in on their way back and but they had the same experience mm -hmm. you had. Well it it what you basically it's about the power of a network, the power yes. of peer connection, yes. the power of, of mentorship that you can get from those who are the same age of you, from mm -hmm. elders, from those younger and it's about using those networks to build you up, just like you yes. built a family, uh, a global family that have built you up and you have helped them yes. and they support each other and so if we as, as young leaders, one of the greatest things we can do amidst our struggles or our challenges is to reach out to that network and, mm -hmm. and build that so we build our greater ripple effect on our own. And know that people like me are ready to help open doors, ready to help in any way. And so uh, all you have to do is say, this is what we need for the journey. And I have one last question for you. If you had a superpower and you could change just one thing in the world, what would it be? If I could change just one thing in the world, I would want peace for all people. And with peace all over the world, I would want to know that nowhere in the world would a child, one child, go to bed hungry. So what would that superpower be? The superpower, I would see that every town and city in this country had all of the uh, support to see that every young person has a college, has a high school diploma 
in New York City, one of the richest cities in the world, one in nine teenage boys is in school. Now, not you have a high school diploma. You have no job, no future. And so I want to educate every child. I think that's our greatest challenge, that high school diploma for every young person in our country and it's possible, but they have to be visible. Most of us in a city where there are thousands of young people who do not have a high school diploma, they are invisible. We don't know about it, but we need to know and we need to open that door. That's an incredible superpower. I can envision several. I can envision you with a key opening every door of opportunity to. or making a diplomas appeal mm -hmm. for everyone on their plates across the country. It's, it's incredible the ripple that you're leaving and the legacy that you have brought mm -hmm. to our, our country and our world and all based on a desire to help others. To serve is to live. I can't describe it any That's more it. better than, than, than that. So thank you again. Thank you. Well, it's been a rare, rare privilege. And anytime we can do anything with you or for you, you ring my bell. Thanks for tuning in to U Effect. I'm your host, Kelly Lavelle. For daily inspiration and insights, you can follow me at Kelly A. Lavelle on Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat. And until our next episode, remember, change starts with you.